0: Hello and welcome to the latest Celtic View podcast, where we'll be looking at the success of the Celtic Youth Academy with an exclusive interview with the club's head of youth, Chris McCart. So what better way to introduce this episode than with a goal from one of the Academy's most successful graduates? The Celtic is set to face Rosenberg in the Champions League qualifiers this week, we go back 12 months to a meeting with the Norwegian side in the same competition. And a superb goal from James Forrest in Trondheim, was enough to give Brendan Rodgers side a 1-0 aggregate win to take them a step closer to the group stages of the competition.
1: A goal for Celtic at any stage now would be so vital, Rosenberg would then need to even if Rosenberg were to score the first goal, Celtic would know, a single strike into the back of the net and a 1-1 scoreline would be enough to see us through to that playoff round. Sinclair takes on two men, finds James Forrest on the right-hand side of the box Forrest takes it to the byline, goes for goal. James Forrest has found the net. I thought he was going to sh- was going to cross the ball. 69 minutes on the clock. James Forrest, who started a striker, he's gone out and as a, as a winger. And he's thumped the ball from the right-hand side of the box in off the crossbar. 69 minutes gone. And it's Rosenberg nil, Celtic one. Well, we have that. Priceless away goal, Jerry. And what a sensational strike from James Forrest.
0: That was one of 17 goals that James Forrest scored for Celtic last season and the Winger's already off the mark this time around with two goals in two competitive games. The latest coming against Alish Gert last week in what was his 70th European appearance for the club. I'm Paul Cudahy, editor of the Celtic View, and joining me to discuss James Forrest's impressive contribution, our vital European tie against Rosenberg and our Youth Academy is my Celtic View colleague, Mark Henderson, and our social media officer, Leith Alnemi. Gentlemen, question mark, welcome to the Celtic View podcast. Mark, um, obviously a big game this week for Celtic, the second qualifying round against Rosenberg. Both of you guys were in Norway last year we know how tough it was what are we expecting this time around from Rosenberg
1: I think the consensus Paul seems to be that it's going to be a similar test to what we saw against Rosenberg uh, 12 months ago obviously they've we've seen they've changed their manager uh, in recent days and there seems to be a bit of uh, uncertainty a bit of turmoil within the, the squad at that at that decision However, it's still generally the same players that are there. And you know, Rosenberg are a streetwise, savvy, experienced European outfit who are expected to progress far in the competition. They're expected, the expectation is that they they should reach the group stages or at least the Europa League group stages. So this will be an extremely difficult test at such an early juncture in the season. You know, to play Rosenberg, you know, a team with that Champions League calibre in the second qualifying round is extremely, extremely tough and uh, a difficult draw for Celtic. But I think we go into the game with great confidence. We're playing very good football at the moment, even going down to 10 men against Alishkirt last week. Um, you know We showed great resilience, great organisation, great fitness to to win that game 3-0. So I think it all augurs well going into the game, and uh, I think if we continue playing in that same form
0: that we should prevail. Leith, I know that during the game against Alishkirt, you were keeping Mark and I, we were doing the Celtic TV commentary you were keeping us up to date with what was happening over in Norway, and I think we were all hoping that Valur would have got through. They nearly did, so there seems to be a, a suggestion that perhaps Rosenberg aren't quite as strong this season as they were last season. They were very difficult, got that goal to straw here. So we're hoping that maybe it might be slightly, I'm not sure if "eases" the right word, but certainly more comfortable for us.
2: Yeah, and I was reading about Rosenberg uh, just before we came in, actually, and a lot of the analysts in Norway... and a lot of the sports journalists over there are saying that they have sort of went sidewards, backwards more than anything, but it's difficult to say, you know, I watched the game against Valor and it was quite controversial, the penalty at the end, I must say, but uh, you've seen the reaction from the Celtic fans, we were hoping that uh, Valor would progress because, as Mark touched on, Rosenberg at this stage of the competition is um, a, a tricky test, but, you know, it's a really good start to the season for for the team, and hopefully we can prevail.
0: And I suppose I mean, given remember last season when we we got to that playoff round and we won five 0 against Astana, you're really hoping you get a similar result or at least two or three goals because it it puts a whole different complexion on the tie that we we go into it with a wee bit more a confidence feeling that right we've got one foot in the next round.
1: Yeah, the the home result is obviously um, extremely important. Um, we look back to last season. I think there were mitigating circumstances for the home leg. We had a shortage of central defenders, we had a shortage of strikers. I think uh, Johnny Hazel had to play an auxiliary striking role in that game. Uh, Christopher Ayer actually came in last season to make only his second appearance for Celtic and his first appearance for Celtic in over a year. in that match is a really, at, that's, at that point, he was a really untried and inexperienced player. So. Last season, the home leg, when you look back, and it nil nil was actually a positive result, and it gave us the platform to go over to Norway and win one 0 with that superb James Forrest goal. Now, this time around, obviously Celtic, you know, we we still have one or two injury problems. Jozo is going to be absent for the game because of suspension, but I think uh, we're we're going into this match looking uh, fit. We look confident. We've got more personnel to select from. And I think confidence is, is really high amongst the squad just now. You can see the translated in terms of performances on the pitch. So I think we're better equipped going into this game than this time than this point last year. So hopefully that
0: translates into a really positive home result and we can go to normal with, with a bit more comfort. I mean, it's interesting, uh, if Mark was saying, you're know, almost like a mirror on last season. Problems at the back, possibly problems at the front. You know, when and Dembelec is down injured the other night, you're, you're always worried, and he's started the season so well, so you really, we're keeping our fingers crossed that he, he's going to be fit for Wednesday night.
2: Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Christopher Ayer in Norway, I think when you look back to the game last season in, uh, in Brussels, when we played Anderlecht, Dedrick Boyata was, sort of, he was in the limelight, he did the press the day before, and he was back in his home country, and the game he played over there was tremendous, and that obviously grabbed the attention of Roberto Martinez, and he went on and He's had a really good uh, World Cup. So, Christopher Ayers, had, he's made a few appearances for Norway. He's the sort of talk of the town over there. They, they, they've got a lot of sort of hopes and, and expectation uh, riding on the young Celtic defenders, So, hopefully, when he goes over there he puts in a solid performance and and just shows his his strength and dominance at the center uh, center back position.
1: Yeah, I I've got no doubt. Uh, Chris is such a a confident guy, you know. Um when you consider he's only 20 years old and what he's already achieved in his fledgling career. Now seems to be an established internationalist f- for Norway. Uh he's a, he's put part of a double treble success at Celtic. He seems to have really cemented his place in the starting 11 for the club, so he has come on so far compared to 12 months ago and he's just relishing this, you know he's, he's got that uh, big game mentality now and I, I don't think he'll have any problems with, the, with this situation, he'll be under the limelight he'll be, he'll be taking centre stage a massive match for him, but he won't be phased in the slightest
0: And the first of uh, shameless plugs for the publications uh, Mark, you spoke to Christopher I, he's the main interview for the match programme for Wednesday night's home game, the obvious candidate uh, for, a, for a game against Norwegian opposition and, and a really good interview as well. Yeah, it's he's, he's always
1: great to speak to Chris. He, he speaks with real candour, uh, real frankness. And, uh, uh, you know, coming into this match, as you say, Paul was the obvious one to speak to with his Norwegian connections. And it's also interesting when you look back to last season, you know, Chris really had two seasons. The first half of the season, he was, you know, intermittent in terms of appearances. He, he'd fleeting... Uh, games for the team, he was largely a substitute, he came in once or twice, but in that time he really used it to develop his game, develop his, improve the weak elements of his game, the, the areas that Brendan Rodgers had identified that he needed to improve to re- get a, a more regular starting slot, then when he got in the team he really just blossomed and flourished. But that first part of the season was when Celtic played in the Champions League games. So Chris missed out on all of that. He was on the sidelines like we all were watching these games. And that's just whetted his appetite to get to the group stages this time around. So hopefully Celtic can make it three in a row to the group stages and
0: Chris can achieve his Champions League dream. And I mentioned uh, just in the introduction about James Forrest, he made his 70th appearance last week. And... Apart from the fact it's a great milestone, it also means he's second in the list of all-time appearances in in European football. Scott Brown's out and top with 92. James Forrest surpassed Billy McNeil and and Bobby Lennox, who are both in 69. And Jimmy Johnson's got 67. And particularly in terms of, I know you guys put things out on social media just to celebrate that. Is that the sort of thing, obviously, it's a great start. You know, to be able to interact with the fans on Twitter and get that sort of response, uh, you know, just very, very small things, but they get that interaction across the the Celtic world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It always helps when we have a player on social media. So if James Forrest was on Twitter or Instagram, say, I think he would get even more recognition. Are you hoping that he's listening to this and he's going to immediately sign up? I've tried before, Paul. (laughs) No, I don't know it's going to be the case, but yeah... He's an unsung hero, uh, James. I I've seen that since you know the minute I walked in and started doing the social media here. He he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, and a lot of the credit has to go to James, of course. But the manager Brendan Rogers is is did a brilliant job with the player because I always remember actually like the first training session Brendan Rogers conducted at Lennox Town the team were doing the warm-up and uh, James was at the side speaking to the manager for about five minutes just before that training session and you could tell with the conversation that they had, it was the first time James had properly met the manager and just from there on, James has been brilliant. Um, you know, you can't really fault his, his his play at all and again, the credit does go to the coaching staff
0: for all of that. And, you know, my second shameless plug of this podcast is that James Forrest is going to be the main interview. In this week's Celtic View, Mark, you spoke to him, and it's an extraordinary achievement. He's he's approaching 300 appearances overall for the club. But when you look at, at that top five, Scott Brown's obviously out there in front. But you know to have made more European appearances than Billy McNeil, Bobby Lennox, and, and Jimmy Johnson is extraordinary. And, and I think sometimes you forget how long James has been at the club and how much he's done. I think Leith is absolutely spot on.
1: You know, James Forrest has been the unsung hero for a long time. Certainly not by people within the club. They all recognise how important a role he plays in the team. But maybe certainly amongst the fans, he's not maybe celebrated as much as the some of the other figures on the pitch. That just happens for some players, though. But there's only so long that you can fly under the radar when you're making these types of landmarks and milestones. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible tally to have made 70 European appearances. I think James's first one uh, was back in 2010, when he came on as a, a substitute away to Braga. That was a 3-0 defeat out there. I, I was out there as one of the first uh, European games that I covered for Celtic. And uh, then you fast forward eight years and he win, we win 3-0. James scores and, you know, he's such a pivotal player in the current team. So that journey of eight years to have made 70 appearances, it really is remarkable. And all, all credit to James because, um, you know, like any player, he's had peaks and troughs at Celtic, but at the moment he just he's playing at the peak of his powers. He's in fantastic form. You know, I was so impressed with him last week against Alshark. Offensively and defensively, after Celtic went down to ten men, he had to operate in a more defensive position at right back. But he played. It was like he was playing two positions that night. He was, his fitness levels were just incredible. The, the way he managed to get up and down that side of the pitch, stopped Alshark getting forward. And then when he got the ball, he still had that energy and drive to really push Celtic forward, create chances and of of course score that fantastic counter-attack goal. So, um, you know, James is really flourishing at the moment at Celtic and, uh, you know, he's here for the long term. He's delighted to be here. He's radiating contentment at the moment and uh, hopefully he can really move on and and maybe hit a century of European appearances. You you, you wouldn't put it past him. and... You know his legacy is going to be unbelievable at Celtic. His trophy hall, his appearances, his milestones,
0: and uh, fully deserving. And really, the only thing he's got left to achieve or to do as a Celtic player is to sign up for some of those social media platforms, Leith, which oh, would really I, make your day.
2: Yeah, I would love if you could join me to have a word uh, to have a word with him. He's um, he's not the most social media savvy, but to be honest, that's came in handy for us because any time we. We put a picture of James, he just doesn't mind anything that goes out on social media. He's not on the channel, so he's not
0: bothered whatsoever. Well, I mentioned again at the top of the programme, in another seamless link, we've got one of our most successful Youth Academy graduates in, James Forrest, a regular on the team. And Mark, you caught up with the head of youth, Chris McCarter. A fascinating interview. There's a lot of changes going on behind the scenes in terms of, of... some of the, the structure of youth football and, and right up to reserve football. and Chris gave us a real insight to, to what's going on in Scottish football and obviously within a Celtic context in this interview.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a good time to catch up with Chris um, as we start a new season. As you mentioned there, Paul, there's been a lot of changes to, to Scottish football. Uh, the development leak that has existed for recent years is, is, is now over and we're seeing the reintroduction of reserve team football. So this is going to be really interesting and fascinating to see what impact this has. Obviously, the, the big issue, the big conundrum for Scottish football has been bridging that gap between youth football and the first team. You know, for many years, you know, Scott, Scotland has, has performed really well at, at youth level, achieved success in international competition. So it's a bit bridging that gap and bringing that talent through to the first team and uh, really developing these these Champions League quality players. So I caught up with Chris, and uh, it, was, it was really good to speak to Chris. He's got such an important role at the club. The academy is so essential. It's such a central plank of Celtic's long-term strategy. So not only did we talk about the developments for the current season, the changes in, in youth football, but also what's happening at the Celtic Youth Academy from the bottom to the top, uh, all the different elements and different layers to it, so hopefully supporters find it fascinating and interesting. And
0: one of the things Leith, and, and, and everybody will hear this interview with Chris, is obviously you think of like, James Forrest and Ciarán Tierney is there's is the guys who can write through Callum McGregor cited as example who goes away on loan and comes back, and one of the most interesting things that Chris highlights is Jack Hendry as a success story of the academy, as another example for young players who was at Celtic, had to go away to establish himself and has then found himself back in the first team, and it's interesting that they, the academy take great pride in, in how Jack Hendry's come back as well.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Jack's went away, um, played down south as well for a couple of seasons, and he's he's returned as an even better player. But you know the the academy have have got a great reputation here in Glasgow, and they've you know produced so many big uh, big names. And just having, as you mentioned there, James Forrest and Kieran Tierney in the starting eleven. It's just a huge inspiration to all those young players
0: uh, at Lennox Town and, and they really are role models to them all. And just before we hear this interview, uh, having you on, Leith, it's it's worth asking you, obviously, uh, Celtic social media platforms It's continuing to go from strength to strength. You know, got a lot of really good praise from, from supporters. Uh, can we expect lots more surprises for the season ahead from you? <laughs> that's the aim, Paul, that's the aim, but... It's quite funny, any time I'm on social media now
2: and we put out a tweet that goes down well with the fans say, I get a lot of mentions. Uh, this is great, Leith, loving that Leith or whatever it may be. But I must say, it's not just me. We've got a big team here at the club. Um, There's no iron team, <laughs> but there is a me
0: if you look hard enough. <laughs>
2: yeah, but no, honestly, it's it's been brilliant. In the past couple of the seasons, we've tried to evolve our social media and and become a bit more sort of trendy and, and down with the kids. And um, it's great to see the the reaction recently,
0: in particular, that our posts have been getting. That's great, well thanks for joining us on the podcast, remember the the Celtic match programme for the Rosenberg game, you can read Christopher Ayer's interview in the Celtic View, this week you can read James Forrest talking about those milestone European performances, but now let's listen to this fascinating interview that Mark conducted with Celtic's Head of Youth, Chris McCart.
3: Chris, thank you very much for joining us, uh, first of all on the Celtic View podcast. Delighted to be here, Mark, talking to all of the fans and uh, talking about the Celtics Academy.
1: Well, uh, Chris, so probably a good uh, way to start off the discussion is there's been a few changes to the academy structure over the summer and, and time for the for the new season. Could you just give us a, a broad outline of what's changed at the Celtic Youth Academy?
3: Yeah, well, I think a lot of uh, no, our fans would have heard of Project Brave. So that there's a new structure now no, within Scottish football. And we're now looking at reserve team football, which is replacing our under-20 league. We're looking at uh, an under-18 league professional league as well, which is replacing our under-17s. Our under-11s to under-16s will play summer football now, a uh, summer league. So it's like a continuous season. No The two of them just wrap up. Um, they, there's very little um, no time between it's one age group finishes, you know, the, the other one starts. So there's now it's 24/7 football for uh, no academy teams and know, for young players.
1: So how, how difficult has it been, has it been to implement all these changes so quickly since the conclusion of the, the previous campaign?
3: No, I, th- I think it's, it's quite an easy transition for ourselves. I think we've got an excellent structure. We've got excellent personnel. Um, no, w- w- within no our structure, so we've we've made that transition no quite easily, and we've been able then to to you no know, put a, a real strong structure and framework together um, to allow our academy teams to, to grow and develop. So there's, there's been a long discussion in Scottish football about changing the the setup
1: of the the professional youth teams, uh, what benefits do you think
3: the, the resumption of reserve football will bring? One of the biggest uh, challenges to academy football is that transition um, and bridging the gap between academy and first team. Now our strategy in recent years is you knows the under-20s but then as they progress at our under-20s we're either putting them out on loan, which has been very successful or that the, 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 someone like Kieran Tierney is going directly to our first team. James Forrest going uh, from the academy directly to our first team. Callum McGregor, Liam Henderson have um, had to go out and loan first of all uh, to get the, you know, the experience of first team football, then come back you know, as better players. So there's a different pathway for each player. But one of the biggest challenges we've got is trying to get them across the line to stay in their first team and not only just get the opportunity to play in their first team, but they're able to stay there. And the only way that they're really is they're going to do that is getting more exposure to playing you know, men's football, playing in front of you no know, fans, playing at stadia and trying to replicate everything you know, that happens at first team level.
1: And how important is it that they get that exposure, Chris? Um, it's such a different experience to get that competitive first team football and, and operate in that environment and you can see it just accelerates their development.
3: Yeah, we're very fortunate at Celtic you know, with, with our manager, with our, our first team staff. Uh, with their first team players, you know, they're, they're very inclusive regards to the academy, um, sharing knowledge, but they also welcome, you No, know, it's not a sink or swim environment, there's fantastic support from you know, our manager and first team staff and you know, our captain Scott Brown. When young players go up to train with their first team, they're well looked after, they're treated well, um, they're educated you know, in the, the right way. And ultimately they're, they're given opportunity and I said, not many clubs is, is the size and stature of Celtic are able, able to do that. Um, no further young academy players. So it's a major benefit for any young player that there's a pathway through to our first team. And
1: that's been proven in, in recent seasons and in recent weeks, of course, as well, Chris, uh, most recently with uh, Mikey Johnson making his U- European bow for the club uh, against Care the other night. And a, a lot of a number of first uh, of young players from the academy impressing for the first team in pre-season as well so it is great to see that you know there's that progression and that can only
3: provide uh, renewed belief to the, the other young players at the club you know, certainly, and I think over the last 15, 16 years, there've been over 50 academy players given their competitive debut. Incredible stats. The biggest challenge to any academy player is sustainability, is being able to stay there, and that's why they, they need the experiences, you know, around about it, whether it's out in loan or getting more opportunities, you know, with it. But certainly, the opportunity to train with their first team and getting involvement, and you know, the stats are there. Our main purpose as an, as an academy has always been to develop and create Champions League players. Um, and there's no better place no than just now with, with their first team manager. And I said, no backroom staff then they're able to harness and nurture the young talents. We've got Michael Johnson now, who's an exciting prospect. But Michael's got certain aspects of his games the manager wants to improve on. They're working on a daily basis with Michael. So whether Michael's pathway takes him out on loan or stays at Celtic. um, It happened with Anthony Ralston last year. He made his Champions League debut. He's playing against Neymar. Um, but he ultimately, it said that, that you no, know, the opportunity to play first team games wasn't there after a few months, and he ended up going to Dundee United on loan. But that's great experience for him. That that will benefit him in the long term. And I think that's what you've got to do when when you're 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 developing young players is look at the bigger picture and look at the long term plan rather than short term gain. And how
1: important is it you've got a, a real positive relationship with the manager of the club, Brendan Rogers, Chris, um, I, I guess you must liaise with him on a, a regular basis and I, I know the manager as well takes a real interest in the academy and he does a lot of, sort of seminars
3: and, and coaching sessions with, with the academy coaching staff as well. It's credit to the manager, and the manager is always knocking on the door. There's always he's got an open door policy. If his under-ten coach or under-11 coach want to talk to him, he's got that open door policy. They come chat the door. He always makes time for them. He's very proactive in the sense that he you know he likes in services and he likes you no know, to to be uh, directing them and the sense he likes to organise them. He's you no know, so it, it's a great environment. now not only for our young players but for our coaching staff and we're all learning you no know, and you no know, each day. And I said you no, know, it's a good environment to, to you know to work at. And a fantastic club to be at. And of course, uh, Chris, we, we've talked a bit about the first team and that bridging
1: the gap from the academy to the first team, but the academy starts way, way down. It all starts at a young level and there's been huge changes since you started at the club in terms of that aspect of it. Probably most notably the schools programme, which has been a huge success so far. So do you tell us a bit about that, Yeah, its inception and, and how it's really progressed and flourished over, over the past couple of years.
3: Yeah, well, since St Ninian's was born. Obviously, it's a fantastic school. There's a fantastic head teacher and Mr McLaughlin, um, he tries to make things happen. We were want to try and make sure that we could offer um, young players, parents, the security that their education would be looked after, but also that we could get more contact time with our young players. So I said, we we have the most contact time in Europe um, with with 10 sessions per week. Um, no, it's up to about eighteen hours of coaching plus game time. Um, no per week as well. So we we've got great access where we can influence no their education, we can influence their lifestyle, their their diet and nutrition, and no no their, their education as well. But ultimately, I said our philosophy is no to take that holistic no approach and not just concentrate on no the footballer. So we can look at the wider aspects in that, and it's something that parents have bought into and something that. Um, Celtic have really um, backed you know, financially to you know, to make sure there's enough resources to allow this to happen. So, you know, looking at in the academy as an
1: entirety, wh- what would you say has been the most, uh, what, what, what development have you taken the most satisfaction from since you started in the position?
3: I th- I think when you when you look at the the success of our players coming through to play in their first team, you look where these players started. No, they started at Barrafield, not our old training ground. They know that they're James Forrest may be coming in at the age of eight years of age. Cal McGregor coming in at eight. Cairn Tierney coming in at eight. Liam Henderson at twelve. Michael Johnson around about nine ten years of age. Anthony Ralston. You get through all that. Know that the players coming through. Now, uh, what... The junior academy is something that we've built, we've invested in, and we've looked because we, we look at the stats, we look at the success, and it is the longer we've got the players within our academy, it seems to be demonstrating that they can go from our from Barrefield into St Ninians, and from St Ninians onto Lennox Town. Um, seems to be a perfect pathway. Um, there and it's working really well. So there's a real strong structure in place. It's one that Tommy Burns was was part of, and it's one that he'd be very proud of um, as well to be there and to see that these young players coming through. But ultimately, you no know, uh, talent is nothing without opportunity. And we're we're blessed that we have we've, we've had great first team managers who who recognise importance, and also our board recognise the importance of the academy, who invest in it. But our first team give these young players opportunity, and once they get the opportunity, it's then down to them to show that they're responsible and that they're able then to take this opportunity. And because it's very difficult, you no, know, to sustain when you're competing against international players, players on tens of thousands per week, you no. Know, um, the challenge is great for you no know, academy player when, when they go over that line to the first team and they've got to make sure um, that you know, they can handle that and they're well equipped and one player we're very proud of is Jack Henry Jack was you know, again one of the, you know, came in at a young age Come right through the academy, was let go at 16, went in a different pathway for about six years, then then has come back, and that is a great example and you know young players as well. You no, know, there there's many different pathways to get to, but hopefully you know with the education they you know they get at Celtic, and and that's one thing we were able to demonstrate as well. You no, know, I think there's over 170 odd players playing professional football in the last 15 years that has came through Celtic's academy, so the stats are very good. The education stats are very good. And I think overall, it equips them very well for the future.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that gets lost, eh, Chris. You know, sometimes some players inevitably won't make it at Celtic. That's that's just part and parcel of a football, a football club, and an academy system. But when you look at the amount of players that have progressed and graduated from the Celtic Youth Academy that have gone on to forge successful careers elsewhere in Scottish football and beyond, that shows that the the great education and coaching that they've had in the academy has served them well. And, you know, while they might not make it at Celtic, they have gone on to have careers elsewhere in the game. And and sometimes that that does get forgotten about the academy structure.
3: Yeah, and uh, it's about looking at that bigger picture, that long-term player development there. At present, we've got 19 academy players who've played, uh, started the Champions League game over the last 15 years. We're hoping this year we get to 2021 Know, with their first team getting to the group stages there. And they said, we know, with the young players know, coming through, and, and it's been demonstrated in the past that not, not only that they are good enough, but if the manager's got that belief and trusts them technically, tactically, physically, and with you know, their football intelligence, it will give them an opportunity. And it's, there's nothing better than the, you know, our fans to see homegrown talent coming through. And you see the excitement now when Michael Johnson comes on the park, no, from our fans and that, but again, you no, know, this, this can open doors, you no, know, for the future for other younger players to you no know, to be inspired by these players getting the opportunity and taking their opportunity and say that if they can do it, then we can do it. And I said, Celtic's you no know, history has been built on developing um you no know, great young players, and we are a Champions League club, and I said that's why our main purpose is to develop and create Champions League players. And it must be fantastic uh, for yourself and the whole
1: of the academy when you see that three key players in this Celtic team that have enjoyed such incredible, unprecedented success over the past couple of years are reared from the Celtic Youth Academy, namely Kieran Tierney, James Forrest and Cal McGregor. And uh, they're still, you know, proven pivotal players, it looks like, over the the new campaign. So that must be wonderful for all the academy coaches that have played a part in their development over the years and, and as you know Chris it's, there's so many people behind the scenes at the academy that, that play a vital role
3: it's incredible to say you know, the overall structure of the academy from our scouting staff to our sports science you no know, medical you no know, the all the tutors that help with education you no know, everyone you no know, the coaches they all play a massive part um, you no know, behind and it says it all helps to you no know, to build the layers um for you no know, our our young players you no know, to take up there to take it and they've got great examples there, and I said Jack Henry. I would say would be the fourth example of that. Slightly different pathway, um. But you no, know, it's one that they you know the academy staff are very proud of, and they said it's one that they're continually working because when you work at academy, there's not a great deal of recognition. You no, know, financially it might not be you no know, the the best pain. but you know, they, they do it for the love. You no, know, they do it for the love of the club. They do it for the you know, the love of the seeing you no know, these young players coming through to, to to develop and go and play and know on their first team. It doesn't always work out, know with each player, but ultimately everyone works and is totally committed to making Celtic the very best.
1: And talking of the very best, uh, the Celtic Youth Academy has been at the forefront of so many innovations and, and developments, most, uh, I would say, most principally in terms of getting European e- e- exposure to the young players, you know, whether it was in the next gen series, it was the, the, the Premier League International Cup. And uh, the UEFA Youth League Celtic in in Scotland have always been at the forefront of that. And uh, that's been a key element of of your vision, Chris, as well. And uh, do you think that's been a real benefit to the young players that have have progressed through the academy in recent seasons?
3: Absolutely, and it's one that we've always tried to be at the cutting edge. Now we're in in the process of looking at the Colt team because we realise that the the more exposure we can get to more players playing against men, playing in in, um, competitive football. There's a lot of hurdles within Scottish football and it's frustrating that we're not able to open doors. um, But we'll just keep on knocking at them just now. But we we genuinely believe the next step, if Celtic could get a Colt team playing in a professional league, then it would greatly benefit a wider range of our academy players. So on on, on reflection as well, Chris,
1: as you it's, it's a huge role that you have here at the club. What what's if, do you have a highlight since you've started in the job? Is there any time you've thought oh you know, this is why it's special, this is why it's this this position, this, this role and this responsibility uh, means so much to me. Uh, is there any kind of standout moment that you you could pick out?
3: No, I, th- I think there's a lot of standout moments, but I said I was brought up in a village Cleland in Lanarkshire where it was a massive Celtic folly and I played with Celtic Boys Club. Um, I, didn't, no, I, I was a Nest form at Celtic. I then went on to 14 years, no, uh at and a couple of years at Falkirk. But the very first day I came in, it was like uh, no to be asked by Tommy Burns, no, to take over and uh, no and keep up no the, the work in which he'd started. Um no, I was it's a huge, it's like a proud moment. And every time you walk through the front door uh, no at Celtic Park. No, always remember that, and it, it gives you a lift. But ultimately, you no, know, we're here to develop players. We're here to try and you know uh, you no, know, with that, to create the players. You no, know, for our first team. So when James Forrest scores against Motherwell, um, there when Kieran Tierney then goes on to captain his country after him, and Carl McGregor the pathway. You no, know, he's went, and you look at all young players. But again, the very top end. There's other players who have gave their very best and not made it at Celtic, and you you get really proud of that as well. And that's all you can ask for in an, any young player. No, there's no given right that they're going to get to your first team. But if they try their best and you no. Know, um, and welcome their time you know, at Celtic and they don't take it for granted their time at Celtic because we're providing a fantastic environment but ultimately you need the players to take responsibility um, within that env- environment and make the most of it. And if you can see a player just you know marginal improvements then you take a pride in that as well. It's not tangible for others to see but then you know because although we're there to provide for you know, the very elite but also we've got to look at it and make sure that each player is an individual project. And if we can progress you know each player and uh, in any way, then it uh, says it's certainly worth as well.
1: Well, that was great, uh, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us and, and and giving up so much of your time. I know you're really really busy, so uh, really appreciate it. So thank you very much for your contribution. Oh, thank you, Mark. Delighted.